0: Not long after Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, there is a buzz about Jesus. There would have been an energy in Jerusalem at the time that would have been palpable. And it just so happens that all this is going down when thousands of Jewish travelers are coming from around the world for an upcoming Passover feast. 30-something prophetic rabbi and healer from Galilee, who supposedly is also a dead razor. He's in town. And for a lot of people, word has started to spread. They know someone who knows someone who has seen the signs and wonders. They have seen the evidence. They've seen Lazarus. They saw the man who had sight restored. They ate some of the food that Jesus made in the miracle. Now, if you're new to the whole church thing, we're so glad that you are online with us. We'd love to meet you and connect with you. If you are watching the live stream with us, you can chat with us in the side. You can also um, request prayer. Some of our moderators will engage with you and pray for you throughout the sermon. Um, You can also shoot us a message online and Instagram, whatever method works best for you. We'd love to connect with you wherever you are. We would love to be able to pray with you, support you in the midst of everything going on. This week is what we observe as the last week in the life of Jesus. And so today is the start of that week, and it's in this last week in the life of Jesus that some significant stuff goes down. And it's in these early moments that would set into motion a series of events that would change the course of history. Now, at this time, there's a whole bunch of political and religious hostility, which I know is probably really hard to imagine that kind of world. It's a time with intense nationalism. There are concerns about religious hostility. There are people who are on the edge wanting to overthrow and ignore the government. But here's the thing. Jesus enters into this world, into Jerusalem, and most people just don't get it. They don't understand who Jesus is. They don't understand what he's come to do. They have some ideas of what this Messiah thing is supposed to be like. They have some ideas of some of the kind of miracles that Jesus has done, but they don't really get it. But at this moment, Jesus shows up and things would forever change. There would be no turning back. His death was imminent. And it all would happen because the religious didn't want to lose their power that came from the relationship they had with Rome and Rome wouldn't allow any other King than Caesar. And so because of this, hostility and anger and turmoil, Jesus would surely die. Think about that kind of world. A world with religious and political turmoil, a world lacking peace, a world longing for someone to show up with some hope and to rescue. Yet also a world where religious leaders were more likely to compromise for the sake of power or go- government leaders were more interested in protecting the, their their own positions than in actually caring for people. I know, hard, hard to imagine, but This is the world that Jesus shows up into. So I want to read beginning in John chapter 12 about Jesus' entry. I'm going to begin in verse 9. It says this, Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him, which is a little bit funny to me, right? Lazarus already died once. Like that sucks to be Lazarus. Like you died, you were raised from the dead and now people are trying to kill you again. It's also a little confusing. Like, you know, this guy's died once and somebody made him come back to life. Uh, I don't really have a point besides that, besides it's just funny that he died and now he's going to be killed again. Um, Well, let's keep going. I'll pick it up. Verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it. As it is written, do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. When Jesus shows up, he is a threat to the kingdoms at that time. When he shows up, he's a threat to the the government. He's a threat to the religious establishment. Everybody has some expectations about what he should do And he threatens the way that people want him to be. Now, if you've been at church for any period of time, palm branches in this story probably don't seem odd to you, but it's actually an odd detail. John is the only writer who records anything about the palm branches and palm branches have no connection to Passover. So it's an unusual connection in the timing of this. Palm branches had been used for the previous 200 years as a symbol of Jewish nationalism. It'd be the equivalent of lining the path with patriotic symbols and saying things like, God save the king or hail to the chief. It was a radically political message about who they hoped Jesus would be. It was also evidence of their misplaced expectations of what they thought they needed. But here's what's crazy about this. If Jesus would have been who they thought he was, if he would have been who they were shouting for, he wouldn't have died but he wasn't who they expected. He came to establish a kingdom, but it wasn't the kind of kingdom they wanted. He came to save people, but it wasn't what they expected. He came with humility, with love and serving, but it wasn't what anybody expected. People wanted a king. They just didn't expect it to look like Jesus. here's what I think is true in this cultural moment. I think people are looking for a king. And I don't mean King like a political leader or, or, or even a leader at all, but people are looking for hope. People are looking for hope and they might not expect it to look like Jesus right now. And so what if this week at the beginning of Holy week, what if word started to spread about this dead raising truth, telling hope, bringing man, what if the hope was contagious? What if the peace was unexplainable? The deeper and deeper we get into COVID-19, the fear and anxiety isn't necessarily less. The need for some sense of hope and truth isn't smaller. In fact, many of you are probably closer and closer to the pain than you were even a week ago. Maybe some of you now know someone in your own family. Maybe you are, are sick, or maybe you at least know someone who knows someone. You're probably experiencing some of the tension of what does this mean economically? Um, Maybe you've experienced pay cuts or even the loss of a job already. Or at least you're thinking about what would that look like. And here's what I want to ask as this gets closer and closer. What if the kingdom of God showed up? I don't mean heaven. I mean, what if Jesus showed up? What if the kingdom of God showed up in Troy as it is in heaven? What if the kingdom of God showed up in Sterling Heights and Rochester and like Orion and Warren as it is in heaven? Or some of you are watching all over the country. What if the kingdom of God showed up in New York City and Portland and Orlando and Fort Myers and St. Louis as it is in heaven? Because that's what happens as Jesus enters Jerusalem. The kingdom of God arrives on earth as it is in heaven and no one saw it coming. They saw something coming. They just didn't expect it to be the kingdom of God. They they saw something coming, but they did not expect it to look like Jesus and to be the way that Jesus described the kingdom to be. But because Jesus shows up and he's the king, wherever the king is, that is where the kingdom is also. And so as Jesus enters, notice the message that John quotes about the work of Jesus and the arrival of the kingdom. He says, Do not be afraid daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. Do not be afraid. Do any of you need to hear that right now? Because John knows that's what the people need to hear. In the midst of turmoil, in the midst of fighting, in the mix of a lack of peace, he knows that people need someone who can offer hope, someone who can relieve the fears. They need to know that there is someone more powerful than what they're up against. And ironically, the king looks a lot less powerful than they thought he would look, but he has the power to overcome any enemy. Now in Zechariah 9, which is what John is referencing, it not only says, do not be afraid, but it also continues and says, I'll take away the chariots from Ephraim, the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. In other words, Zechariah Zechariah says, when the king shows up, he will disarm the fighting. He'll put the weapons down. What if today, we began to see a church that put the weapons down and chose to fight the battles that really mattered. What if the polarization and the outrage got pushed to the side so that we would engage in a battle that actually matters? And then Zachariah continues and says what will happen? He says, He will proclaim peace to the nations and his rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Peace is more powerful than the fear. Peace. Which is why scriptures say perfect love drives out fear. Peace is better than hate. Peace is more powerful than politics. It's more powerful than a virus. And this kingdom that Jesus brings with him, the kingdom brings peace in the moments of greatest turmoil. Jesus brings peace in the moments of the greatest unrest. And so Jesus comes in ready to fight for the kingdom but in a way that no one expects. In Jesus' final week, we experience a different kind of fight. He fights from a different depth of his being, but also in a way that we don't really see, a way that we don't typically think of when we think of a fighter. He fights for peace. He fights for hope. He fights for what the Bible calls righteousness, which means Jesus is fighting so that you might be in a right relationship with God It doesn't matter how unpeaceful things might be. It doesn't matter what the sin looks like in your life. That Jesus has made a way so that you and God might be in relationship, so that you might find peace. That's been made available for all of us. You may have screwed it up in some big ways. You may have upset some people. You may have been diving into some unhealthy coping mechanisms. But you can still be at peace with God. Because peace with God doesn't come from your fight. It comes from his. It doesn't come from your victory. It comes from the victory that he declares. But Jesus doesn't just seem like the kind of God we'd want in a fight. That's why people killed him. Like they thought he'd come for that fight, but he didn't show, show up as that warrior king they'd hoped for. And so they get rid of him. It's like Jesus, he's getting ready to fight for us. And instead of putting on armor, he starts like tuning his guitar. I mean, right, you don't think of the artists as the fighters. Like, I can tell you, if you or I are putting together a list of who we're gonna send into battle, we're gonna think of the things that people have always thought of throughout history. We're gonna think of who's the biggest, who's the strongest, who has the most experience with weapons. We're not gonna think about who's the most in touch with their emotions right now. Like, who are the most empathetic and sensitive who can come up with a beautiful melody? Like, we're not gonna say who are the guys with the beards and the skinny jeans and cool sneakers, right? That's not at the top of our qualification list. But when Jesus shows up for a fight, that's how much Jesus goes against their expectations. He is not the kind of warrior king anybody thinks is a warrior king. Jesus doesn't meet any of their expectations for a fighter. But that's who he is. He fights for us in an unusual, unexpected, and profound way. You probably feel like you're in a battle right now. And what could be good to know is it's also not helpful to compare your battle to another person's battle. We're all in a battle right now. And so you don't need to s- dismiss your battle or someone else's battle. And you're, you're in a battle for your family. Maybe you're battling to provide. Maybe you're battling against depression and anxiety and loneliness. You're battling against addiction. You're battling on the front lines as you walk through the hospital doors to save lives. And you, as a follower of Jesus, the Bible tells us Christ lives in you. And if you're, if you're new to the whole Jesus thing, not really sure about it all, and um, this is available to you that Christ can live in you and you can have the kingdom of God going with you. And we would love for you to be a part of that. You can let us know that you're interested in that by clicking on the prayer and let us know that you want to be a part of this um, relationship with Jesus thing. Those of us who follow Jesus, what we have been promised is that Christ lives in us. And therefore, as we go into whatever our battles are, the kingdom of God is in us as it is in heaven. And we don't go into the battle alone. We bring the kingdom with us. We bring the church with us. And so Jesus, just like he walked down that road into Jerusalem, he walked into the battle. So he goes to war with us in us as it is in heaven. Now get this in Zephaniah chapter three. There's this incredible scripture. And it talks about God and it says this, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves you. It's a God who is fighting. And we love that picture. A God who is a warrior, a God who is fighting, a God who is rescuing, a God who goes ahead of us in the battle. And he lives in you. That God lives inside of you. And then it describes the way he fights. And I love this. It says, He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. That's what happens when Jesus shows up on the donkey. Other kings come with their war horses ready to fight, but Jesus shows up in humility, bringing peace. Most kings show up for a battle with their war horses, but Jesus shows up singing. He shows up in humility and with grace and love. Jesus shows up like the warrior David shows up, getting rid of the armor, playing a harp, peaceful and gentle, and riding on a donkey. There's a reason why Jesus chooses a donkey and not a war horse. He's come to bring peace to the nations. And so when the kingdom shows up, it looks more like the church showing up. It looks more like the church showing up for neighbors than it does political conquest. It looks more like some food being put on your neighbor's porch than it does preserving power. It looks more like sacrifice than it does destruction. And so what if right now we didn't go to the go to weapons? What if we didn't try to protect our own kingdoms, but we looked to Jesus? What if we weren't relying on our own goodness, but we're relying on his? What if instead of having the right answer at this time, we were looking to the one who is the answer? What if instead of focusing on how hard we have to fight or what we need to do right, we admitted how desperate we were for the God who fights? And as Jesus disarms you, he will go to fight for you. In the kingdom of God, we trade our go-to weapons for the blood of Jesus. Scripture says for you because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Your freedom comes from the fight of Jesus. And so unless the weapon in your kingdom is the blood of Jesus, you're either using the wrong weapons or you're fighting for the wrong kingdom. Jesus is taking those weapons out of your hands and showing you a better way. He shows you you don't need the war horse. You don't need the chariots. I don't even know if we need the building. Like, it's nice. Like, I want the building back. I want the band back and the lights back. I want the crowd of us to be gathered together. But maybe the kingdom of God doesn't need that either. And maybe for you in these moments when everything feels like a battle, like when you walk through the ER doors into battle, when you fight with your kids trying to get a little bit more work done, as you think about what's next because you don't know what's gonna happen with your job, as you wait for the phone to ring to find out if your loved one is okay, what if in those moments you didn't look for the weapons you need to pick up, but you listened for the song that Jesus was singing over you? What if you heard your savior, the mighty warrior, who sacrificed his life for you, what if you heard him rejoice over you with singing? Because that's what the scripture tells us, that we have a mighty warrior and he delights in you. I don't know how much delight you feel right now. Maybe you feel like you're a bad mom, a bad dad, a bad husband or wife. Maybe you feel like you're a bad worker. Maybe you feel like you're a failure because you don't have the job that you once had. You don't know what that's going to look like. Your God delights in you right now. He, didn't, he doesn't delight in the person you used to be. Or not is this not like some future version of you? No, he right now, in this very moment, God delights in you. And in love, he also doesn't rebuke you. And there's a lot of moments in the midst of all this mess where we say the wrong thing, where we do the wrong thing, where we hurt people. And you're God, he's not rebuking you. In fact, he loves you. That's what this whole week is about, that he sacrificed everything. In order to not rebuke you, he gave himself. And instead, he rejoices over you in singing. So what if this week, as you went into battle, whatever that battle looks like for you, what if the, what if the, in those moments you had a song stuck in your head on repeat? And what if that song that was on repeat was actually your Savior singing over you? Like, what if in those moments when, when you get the, a song in your head, like, oh, this is how I fight my battles, right? Or that or you get, like, I'm going to see a victory. Like, what if when those songs were, were looping in your head, what if it wasn't just your subconscious, but what if it was your Savior singing over you, reminding you that in those moments that you weren't fighting alone, That in those moments that the kingdom of God was present because Christ is in you. Let me pray for us and let me pray specifically for you and the battles that you go into. Jesus, we thank you for being a God who loves us and being a God who shows up. That just like you showed up um, thousands of years ago, that you continue to show up in our life. And so we thank you for the promise that you are king. And that you fight, not the ways that we fight, but you fight for us. And you fight with love and sacrifice and humility. And we just pray um, that you would be present in the midst of this crisis. I pray for everybody who is watching with us online and the battles that they are up against right now. I pray for the medical field who are going into battle. I pray for all those who are supporting the medical field and in going into battle. I pray that they would know that. Um, that you are in them, that the kingdom of God is present in them as they go to fight. I pray for the parents who are homeschooling their kids right now and trying to figure out how to create some sense of normalcy in this anxious and chaotic world. We pray for the single parents who really don't know how to provide for their kids right now while also educating their kids and continuing to work. We pray for all the people who are losing jobs, have lost jobs, or are in fear for their jobs right now. We pray for the elderly who and those who are at risk. We pray for those who we know who are sick, those who we don't know who are sick. We pray that healing would come. And Jesus, we pray that in the midst of all of these battles and whatever that looks like for each of us, that we would hear your voice singing to us, reminding us that we're not alone in this. Reminding us that your kingdom is truly present, that it is moving and it is working and it is more powerful than any enemy that we're up against.